Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat Podcast on the Serious Angler Network. And guys, today we are back, finally, from this long strand of tournaments, back in the, the studio, the home office, and we've got an awesome show lined up today. It has been freaking hot here in Colorado, for Colorado. It's been like 90s, sunny, and um, it's been good. So excited to get back on the lakes around here, get things rolling, but... Today, we've got an awesome show lined up, uh, a space that I've always considered is just such a cool thing to me, and I have no skills when it comes to photography, videography, cinematography, making films that are just uh, incredible and covering tournaments and uh, the lifestyle that a lot of us live and aspire to live, and um, we've got one of the, the greats right now coming on just with everything around the camera lens and uh, i'm excited to just talk about that industry with him we've got tanner loins or is it lions man did i mess that lions. up yeah, lions you got it all right sweet man how are you good dude good just a hot day here in texas man i bet uh, when i said 90s I you were like that sounds good oh dude, yeah it's it's been uh, i think we had a couple days so far over 100 and i think the first official day of summer was actually last tuesday but it was almost 100 degrees before that anyway so it's been a burner dude burner man and also you have the humidity and you're and uh, we were talking off the air but you're there on conroe right yeah 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 so 45 minutes north of houston not not too far from the woodlands like you you and i talked about um mm-hmm. like you said humidity is the is the, the game changer down here dude it's a uh, it's muggy dude you step outside for five minutes doesn't even matter if you're working out or just walking you're sweating you're pouring sweat <laughs> your clothes are drenched you go fishing you can't hardly breathe the air's so thick but uh mm-hmm. man it's it's a uh, It'll test you quick, dude. It'll test you quick. Growing up fishing down here was actually like really tough because I'm from North Texas and, and Texas in general is like really unique because like, I'm from north of Dallas, which is only four hours from where I'm at now. Sure. And uh, but the the air quality is completely different. Like living down here in Houston, you're so close to the bay and, and the ocean. Okay. And uh, that humidity actually stacks up quick, bro. It's crazy. Four so hours north, the air is a lot humid. more dry. Really? No, it's not nearly as humid. The air is actually pretty dang dry. I mean, when you get Coastal breezes and stuff, they'll push up a little bit. You have some humid days in, in the, the North Texas Metroplex, but it's not nearly as, as humid as it is down here. I've heard that about Austin too, man. We had a friend uh, that went to, to school here in Colorado State with me. He was like, yeah, man, it's like, it's it's high plains, dude. It's it's like, yeah. it's pretty dry. It is, yeah. Austin and San Antonio up there, like the that uh, central Texas region is actually pretty dry too. It's pretty arid actually. Pretty Probably pre- pretty similar to the the – yeah we're in high high plains man yeah exactly it's it's similar situation so that's wild but dang dude yeah it'll test you man that's my experience of anything anything in the south in the summertime like fished uh some high school national championships and college national championships and of course like just like i think there was one today on pickwick uh like it's always middle of the summer and brutal like it is like dude it is going to be 95 with 95 percent humidity and you better zero wind zero wind (laughs) the water is is 90 you know what i mean it's wild that's what we have here i think yesterday i saw like 88 89 it's it's close to 90 man it's It's a hot tub that's a bad it is it is insane it's like my brother like swam in it and he's like dude it feels so good jump in i'm like no i'm good I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> no, I'll jump. I'll jump in like a last resort. Like if if I if I'm out there fishing and it gets tough and I feel like going home, I'll jump in. Then I'm good to go for like 15 minutes. And I'm like, okay, I want to go home again. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I that's that is the most underrated in my opinion. In a hot 
hot, especially in like a practice for a tournament. So I was just up on Lake Oahe in South Dakota. And surprisingly, that whole like Midwest too, it gets hot, man, in the summer. Like it, it gets does, cold yeah. in the winter and it gets hot and humid in the summer. And so um, it was just our, our state qualifier because we choose these different states because our lakes are all tiny. But we yeah. uh, went to Lake Oahe and dude, like it was 90 and slick every day of practice and like about three o'clock i'm like man i gotta get my my head clear <laughs> and find some more fish i just yep. jump right off the bow dude jump right You're off good. The bow. it gives you life dude it gives you life it does give you life exactly i didn't jump right. in the other day my brother jumped in like three times and he's like oh, i'm good to go let's keep fishing that's like, sweet dude it's fun fishing's been so- great by the way it's been re- really super good here yeah super my brother caught a we so we actually we have an old champion it's an old bass boat i always say we have the best piece of crap on lake onro because we we've had it since we were 16 it's a 1991 champion 181 with a 150 uh, pro v yeah dude it's an old school boat it's awesome um honestly it rides super super good we like we're in and out so much him and i we're we're lucky to be home like a week a month Uh and uh so i mean instead of forking out all the money for bass boats with like the market and stuff right now it's like let's just keep what we have and just add to it and plus like the sentiment of values there we caught every single 10 pounder we ever caught together has been out of that boat that boat's just got a crazy history story and I, I, all my friends that know that we have it's like man that that thing's seen some fish you know so heck yeah dude yeah it's been great travis caught a an eight yesterday we actually we were uh we were shooting a, a 13 fishing video okay and he he was on the water while i was on with my buddy joe uh-huh. And he was like, he's like, I'm going to take our boat out. That way, if you guys can't catch a big one, I'll catch a big one. So you can stage a, some fish picks and stuff like that. And he actually right. caught an eight and a half pounder, like right next to us. So I was like, dude, that was clutch, clutch for the video. So we have a giant in that video. It's going to be that sweet. But awesome, dude. It was cool. I can wicked. always, can always depend on him to catch a big ones. My brother, I like him and I grew up fishing like a long, for a long time. We didn't really, we didn't really get into bass fishing until we moved here to Conroe. Interesting. Um, Cause we, uh, we didn't even ex- know that the professional and like tournament side of angling like that even really existed when we were growing up because no one really in my family is big into the outdoors or fishing at all. My dad, uh, my dad captained for us in some high school tournaments and stuff like that um, sure. back in the day. But I didn't really have anybody in my family that really like could take me fishing or get me into fishing. We, uh, we moved to a house when I was in fifth grade and it had a pond on it. And of okay. course we're like, like, let's get some fishing rods and see if there's any fish in it. So we'd catch bluegill and stuff like that out of it. But uh, we, it wasn't until, you know, we, we knew what bass were. Like, you'd go throw a beetle spin and you caught a bass. Like, hey, I caught a bass. But, right. like, we didn't we didn't even know what, uh, like, tournament fishing and bait casters and all this other stuff even was when we first, like, moved here to Conroe. My, my buddy, Jordan Scambray, and I think I told this story when I was on with Bailey a couple years ago. How I got into it was yeah. Travis and I moved here to the – to the lake here in Lake Connor. We live in seven coves, which if you've seen the lake, you know where that big lighthouse is. We're really mm-hmm. close to the lighthouse. We're probably like as the crow flies, not even a mile from the lighthouse. And wow. uh, there's a seven coves marinas, the marina that's in our neighborhood. And uh, we moved down here, rode our bikes down to the marina and we've got Zebco 33s, like beetle spins and stuff like that. And we pull up to the marina and there's this kid fishing down there and he's got a, uh, it was a skeet reese rod one of those yellow ones oh yeah and that was yeah. that was the first that was the first bass rod I, i'd ever laid eyes on i'm like dude that rod is sick that rod yeah, is I bet. So cool. and <laughs> yeah. so uh i'm like dude it's yellow that's so sick and the first day that we went down there he caught a six pounder it was during the spring which we didn't even know what the spawn was and stuff at the time 
mm-hmm. and he was sitting on the, on the corner. But Doc just kind of pitched into this corner like over and over and over. I'm like, dude, it looks like he knows there's a fish there. And he finally caught it. And it was like a six and a half pounder. And I'd never seen a bass that big in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jordan Scambray, he's actually uh, he's four or five years younger than my brother and I. And at the time, he was really t- tiny. Like he hit a huge growth spurt. He's tall, like almost taller than me now. But when we were when we were tiny, he was he's just a bean pole, just short. And uh, he was this little kid fighting the six and a half pounder. I didn't I don't know what was going on. I'm like, dude, that's that's insane. That's crazy. That's so monster. we started talking to him, and he actually was the one who showed us. You know, like this is a shaky head. This is a bait caster. This is the, the type of line you need and stuff like that. And so Jordan Scambray was really the one who kind of like fueled our fire as far as fishing goes my mom and dad have always been supportive of what travis and i do like my like i said my dad when we were in high school captained us on on tournaments and stuff and my dad doesn't really have the fishing knowledge that a lot of these other kids you know they're we never did we 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 fished the tournament on rayburn and got sixth place and for us that was legit because you know like most most of the kids we were competing against were like their dads were like guys or like professionals and stuff like that so their dads are like their dads are putting them on the hole. It has thirty two pounds on it. And they're just dragging through it, catching them. My dad's the kind of guy who's like that stump looks pretty good, or like those that grass looks pretty good. You just throw a spinnerbait <laughs> through it. But yeah, it, that's. But in my opinion, I think that's that's why I like fishing so much. That's why I've enjoyed it so much because it's been something that I I've gotten to uh, to kind of just take on and learn myself. Um, mm-hmm. it, there there really wasn't any like nothing ever w- was really like handed to me. It's just been something that like, that's why I'm so obsessed with it. Cause it's just, uh, I, I I'm lucky now cause I have a bunch of friends and stuff. Like I hang out with Gerald Swindle film with him, a bunch of other big names in the industry. So I get to learn, like, that's, that's what I like about my job the most is I get yeah. to sit there and film somebody and they'll hook up. And I'm like, what are they throwing? Like peeking around the camera trying to like, make sure my shots there, but I'm also like trying to <laughs> see what they're doing. So it's, it, that's just a, I'm obsessed with fishing, dude. Um, and I think that uh, that's why I like my job so much because it really um, I enjoy my job because I'm feel like I'm pretty decent at it. Uh, but I also get yeah. to learn so much, dude. So like anytime I go, it's frustrating and it's also fun at the same time because I'll film a tournament. Uh, like I filmed a tournament like Hartwell and they were smashing them on top waters, and I come back home and I just want to throw a top water, and there's no top water bite on Condro, so I'm like so frustrated. I bet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, that's 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 how I got into fishing, man. It's just, uh, it's been one, one big adventure. And it's also really cool because my brother has been there through all of it. And so that's, to me, I think that's the coolest thing ever for a lot of other people. They get burnt out, you know, mm-hmm. they, they get, um, kind of lost and they just kind of wander around for me. My direction's been, yeah, I've had my direction and my, my scope set the entire time. And it's been super easy. Cause like being brothers, we hold each other a lot, you know, accountable. So sure that's a, that's a major player. Like if I'm, if I'm busy, I'm like, Hey dude, I need your help. If he's busy, he's like, Hey man, I need your help. Everything just works out really good. And when we're not, when we're not working, we're, uh, we're on Conroe fishing or on Rayburn somewhere. Heck yeah. But, well, dude, I guess let's, let's go through exactly for folks who don't know. So you guys are like a team when it comes to this, but like, if you were to describe your job to someone that wasn't in the fishing industry, didn't really understand it all. Like, how would you describe, and again, it's you and then your brother, Travis, doing a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And I don't know how much of this you do separately versus together, but like, how would you describe what you guys do? I would say we are uh, fishing filmmakers is what I always exactly. tell people that we are, um, which to be honest, there's a lot of filmmakers out there and, and, and in, the, in the world now, there's a lot of great fishing filmmakers. Like I, I look up to uh, like Kyle Van Devers, probably one of the best persons to ever pick up a camera and point it at someone who's bass fishing, in my opinion. I right. think that's just, uh, 
I look at the stuff that he does and I'm like, dude, it's insane. Like just natural talent. Actually, uh, the MLF came to Conroe a couple years back and I actually drove Kyle Van Dever around on my boat as a no camera way. guy for, for Brandon. And so I've known him for a little while. We kind of chat here and here and there a little bit, but, uh, yeah, if, for people who don't know, I get asked a lot, like, what do you do for a living? What do you do? I'm like, I'm a fishing filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I grew up like, I've had a lot of different jobs in the industry. Um, I grew up working at a kind of like off and on at a Marine place, like hung, hung motors on bass boats, helped mechanics, hung power okay. poles, rig graphs. And then from there, um, I went to, went to college, like part-time, almost had my associates and I dropped out to go work at six inch Lurico, worked at six inch Lurico for like three years, mm-hmm. almost, almost three years, like two years, Travis and I worked there together. I was doing all the social media stuff and, okay. uh, that's kind of how I found I got my professional passion for, for filmmaking and using a camera. We, uh, of course, you know, having, having a brother, like growing up, we would steal my mom's like little digital camera and we'd go shoot like YouTube videos. And I'm like, Hey, we're going to put a fake gunshot effect over this. Like let's shoot, like act like we're shooting guns or whatever. And so we like, when we were kids, we'd make embarrassing YouTube videos and they're still floating out there around. Dude, I've got one of those out. It's but, horrible. Uh, like if anyone oh, ever dude, finds it, man, it's bad. Dude, I, like people are always like, someone will text me like, Hey, what about, uh, you talked about those embarrassing videos. Like what's the link to them? Like, Oh my gosh, I have to send them the link. But there, but the thing is like, there was a time where I was like super embarrassed about it, but now like Travis and I, when we're bored, we'll just go back and watch them. Hell heck and, yeah. Uh, and, like, especially now, how, like, w- like where we're at now, it's, it's just really cool to go back and watch them and see how that was like the beginning of, of being interested in cameras and editing and all that stuff. But that kind of, um, escalated pretty quick whenever we got jobs and stuff and started working we started dumping more money into camera gear gopros and stuff like that yeah um and then like i said i was working i was actually working at a dry cleaner and then going to school and then Mm -hmm. sometimes helping travis out at the marina and uh got an offer from casey at six cents and worked there for two and a half years and then from there i actually got a uh a gig to go shoot a tv show and traveled left six cents for like after like i said almost two and a half years and just took off and traveled like went went out of the country twice and shot all over the united states shot a tv show and and at the time looking back it was like crazy because i wasn't nearly as skilled as i am now yeah and it was like a huge opportunity for me and it was just cool i think uh i think just having the opportunity was really really cool and it was it was enough to uh to kind of keep my pockets full and kind of keep it going because i didn't have much stuff going on at the time Mm-hmm. I uh, had left and, and was filming that TV show. And that's pretty much all I had going on. And we were only shooting shows like once every, once every month or so probably. And, and so what kind of uh, a show like was this outdoors? Like it was a, it was a fishing show. It was actually with Jim Root. Uh, okay. it, was, it was real bragging rights with Jim Root. Yeah. Um, so once I stopped shooting for them, I'd kind of already had a bunch of side stuff lined up. And like one thing about me, like I grew up in, in uh, era, Texas, which is a tiny, like tiny little town. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, my parents have always like done their best to support us and, 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 uh, like motivate us. But they're one thing that's always been their, their, their deal is like, if you want something, you're going to work for it. Like we'll put it, you'll put a head, like a roof over your head. We'll feed you. But if you want to go above and beyond, you got to work for it. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. So our, our, uh, work ethic, as far as just getting out there and, and filming and shooting all sorts of stuff has been all like through the roof. Um, shot weddings and stuff for a little while kind of got a Dude, little tired yeah. of that just to kind of just kind of make money and uh now 
now it's just all fishing stuff, dude. It's everything, everything revolves around fishing. If someone hits me up and, and wants me to do some stuff for them, I'm not opposed to anything, but my, uh, my main gig is fishing, dude. That's the, that's the coolest thing for me is just getting to travel and check out new places. I've been to so many places, so many like huge big bass factories that never even made a cast. Like, uh, I, it's like, like Gunnersville. I've been there. I actually fished with, uh, Gerald Swindle on Gunnersville a few times and that was awesome. I was going to say, uh, man, after the day's done, you got to, you got to sneak a couple casts in. Oh, dude. Yeah, I do. I do, man. I do. But I've just been to like thinking back and it's just, there's, there's a bunch of crazy, like historic bass fishing places I've been to and never even made a cast, but. Oh man. Yeah, you're man, experiencing it still, man. Like that's, that's, yeah. I don't know behind the lens, like, and, and that's, uh, and it's, you know, Jake Latondris, when he was on the show and talking to him after, it was just really cool because he lives five minutes from my house. We literally went and got yeah, a beer after the show. We didn't know awesome. he lived this close. But, uh, you know, his biggest thing was like, man, I've filmed so much stuff. Like, in my day, like, I he's got all these different income sources. He's got a bar. He has a guide service. Like, And he's like, my favorite thing in the world is filming the Bassmaster Classic, filming tournament yeah. fishing, like filming an Elite Series event. Like, watching that happen in the raw emotion of anglers like i don't know front row sheet front row yeah, yeah. Seat, like as cool as it is and, you and it's your job to tell that story that's the coolest thing about it to me is like mm -hmm. they could be having a bad day or a good day and it's your job to tell that story of how the day is unfolding and really capturing emotion is the whole is, is the biggest thing that i do is like i have to be able to tell like hey this guy is upset without even if he doesn't show me emotion i have to be able to fill the fill the gaps you know what i mean I filmed yeah. with John Hunter on the pro circuit and I've uh, been doing that for Thank almost you. three years now. And yeah, John Hunter is an amazing dude. I, I, that dude is like, is actually crazy when the show stopped. Um, I still had a few things going on, but for the most part, like as soon as the show stopped, I was like, dude, I got to find some more things to do. Like I got to get yeah. busy. And John, John Hunter was like, Hey man, you want to shoot a YouTube series? I'm like, yeah, I do. And Heck so uh, yes. the first time I met John, uh, I met him at ICAST, but we actually, uh, we went to Rayburn and I only live like two and a half hours from Rayburn. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and uh met john and rayburn and that was that was pretty much history for that me and john me and john are like buddies now dude it's like uh we've been to so many places been across the country john's had my back we always get together and film it's just been a good time dude it's, that's one of my favorite things like because we shoot the limitless series and i i think that um outside of everything i do is like it's probably nice. one of my favorite my favorite things to do because it's like my brainchild like that is the biggest like the biggest that's series of, of videos i've ever really put out and john John has been an awesome dude to work with. It's just fun, like hanging yeah. out, telling stories. Like he's having a great year. He's doing great in the points. Yes, he is, man. It's it's been uh it's been a good year for him, dude. It's, I'm a uh, stoked for him. It's good in the points on on both sides of things on on uh, the opens as well as yeah. that. I've, I've had him on the show twice, and uh, same way, just such a good dude, such a good easy guy to talk to. Yeah. Um, and uh, man, that's that's such a cool thing, and that's part of why I had you on. It's like, man, who's doing all this stuff for him on YouTube? Yeah. Oh. Here we go. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> well, it's it's yeah. it's very well done. Um, from what I've seen, it's been incredible. And then I mean, you you're basically looking at your calendar each year and you're like, okay, so say you you've got your John, your your angler, you're gonna follow around at every event, every pro circuit event or whatever you're describing. So like that blocks off however many weeks of your year. Right, right. And you then you guys uh both do right the NPFL coverage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then that blocks out like however many weeks a year. So like right. man, you were on the road. A ton. Oh, dude, dude, burning up, burning wheels, bro. I've already changed my <laughs> tires like twice. 
but uh yeah dude yeah we put a lot of miles on the vehicles dude that's for sure travis and i we kind of like alternate yeah. um he actually drives an f-250 so we've been taking my truck a little bit more i have, a, yeah. I have an f-150 and uh, with fuel prices this year, Travis is like, man, let's just let's just take yours. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like I'll, I'll pay you back. We'll, we'll go half on gas. But, but yeah, yeah, dude, it's uh, it's a it's a lot, dude. It's a, I mean, it's we're, like I said, we're lucky to get like one week at the house um, a month. Um, this year has been good because this year was actually a different year because uh, I don't know how, but between MPFL and uh, the pro circuit, I was actually home most of the month of March, which is really? like peak peak spawn. Here yeah. in Conroe, so I got to get I got to jack some giants this year. Like, got to go fish Conroe for a couple of weeks. I was home for like almost three weeks during March, and wow. uh, which is like unheard of. Like, because normally everyone's fishing in March, you know. But sure. Um. But yeah, with MPFL, I think there was only one conflict this year. There's only one one tournament. Uh, I think it was Pickwick for MLF, and we were at Hartwell with MPFL. Mm-hmm. But that's the only conflict we had this year. Other than that, it's just been like, dude, okay, like Virginia this week, and then like Tennessee. This like it's just back and forth. But that's uh, that's another job title I have as a truck driver. That's another another job title for sure. I, every every angler too, man. Like better be better be used to sitting in a in a truck because <laughs> it's gonna happen. That's the thing. I always tell people like, yeah, I drive just as much as the pros, if not more. Oh yeah. But it's it's honestly with when Travis rides with me, it's so easy. Like, we, like that's our time to really think, really. Like, that's – like, at the house, you're sitting around and you just want to go fishing. Like, you're not really in your thinking space. But, like, when I'm driving, I just turn a podcast on and just cruise, man. It's – that's, like, I kind of look forward to – I'm actually leaving tomorrow to go to the next MPFL at Saginaw Bay. Yeah. Um, 20, 21 hours, I think. But Travis is riding with me, so it'll be a straight shot. I'm actually going to stop at John's house. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm going to stop at John's oh, house in Kentucky. We're shooting a, a piece with MPFL for Drunk Wood. Oh heck yeah, dude! Creates all of our stuff for yeah, him. Yeah, he, he makes the plaques and stuff. So we're gonna go hang out with John. John's both crazy. The, both the Johns and Two then, Johns, uh, man. Yeah, yeah. Woody, dude, he's, he's a he's a longtime listener and just a great friend of the show, man. Yeah. And uh, man, he creates some cool stuff. And he is dude, a he's super funny talented guy. Yeah, dude, he's funny cool. Guy. He's super oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, he was he was like yeah. Uh, he's like I, I got plenty of bird. He, no, I, he phrased it. He said uh. Said, yeah, you guys, you guys are welcome to stay here. And if you didn't know, in Kentucky, we have this thing called bourbon. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, Dude, you do. The amount of, we'll have him like on a on a guest show or something with fantasy fishing. But like, even I mean, he just has the funniest things to say. And we're like, man, we gotta like censor some of this. But like, <laughs> I mean, like dude, he will. Uh, I don't know if you've seen recently here on his Instagram, he's been promoting like his sponsors. Like, he he'll be like all right, guys, so this is Gold Bond. You know, they've been really getting on me to sponsor what's going on, but, like, you got to protect your nards out there when it's hot. (laughs) The stuff he does is just, oh, it cracks me up so much. And it's just like, man, the guy you want to support. Like, when I want something for my dad or something related to woodworking, like, that's who I'm going to. Dude, he's 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 super talented. He's done a lot with NPFL, and I didn't really, uh, I didn't know him at all until NPFL came around. Mm-hmm. he uh for the plaques, he right? actually he he came to uh one of the tournaments i think it was uh cumberland this year cumberland yeah when he was right at cumberland yeah <clears throat> yeah he, he came up and we all got to hang out we went to the the bar or whatever we went to like a wing place and we all hung out and got to meet him and stuff it was really cool but Dude, that's it's... that's a, another cool thing about what i do is i get to meet a bunch of cool people like just if there's big names in the industry you're bound to cross paths with them and meet them and that's been the mm-hmm. coolest thing about 
what I do. I think it's just meeting people. Like it's just a, uh, it's really, really cool. It's, it's just cool, man. I mean, and, uh, I've had some of that perspective just with the podcast is like you, you run across folks, um, and become build relationships with, with people that uh, just have your back and are your, your friends for life. And that's what's right. uh, so cool about the fishing industry. I think it just brings people together because everyone has such a passion for, sure. for it. And, uh, someone like John, like, I mean, he's just supporting the industry completely and like right, right. the universe works in that way, man. Like that'll come back to him. Like I, I sure, guarantee yeah. it. People will be like, man, that guy. So, um, I don't know, man, that's, that's so cool. And, uh, just, it's awesome that you're rolling and you're just, you're just going and going and going all the time. Um, one comment that I was going to say earlier about the old champion, what's wild. So like I fish a lot of Western lakes too. So like Havasu and Clear Lake okay. and those kinds of areas. And man, down by like Havasu and Mead, like the champion, there must've been like a dealer that ripped through because I bet. there are so many champions, dude. It is absurd. And like pristine, like super nice, like champions that guys have gone in and then put like a brand new motor on. And, yep. uh, it's just like there must have been someone, a sales guy that knew it was doing <laughs> because like all of the West, like you go on Havasu or on Lake Mojave and you're just like champion, 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 champion. I actually, uh, a couple years ago, it's crazy that you mentioned that. A couple years ago, I went to uh, Lake Powell in okay. Utah. Yeah, man. Heck yeah. And uh, um, BRP actually paid me to go out there and shoot some stuff with uh, the Fish Whisperer. Who okay. has a deal yeah. with uh, Sea-Doo. And we shot, they gave me a Sea-Doo Fish Pro. We loaded up our gear and our bags. I took a bunch of batteries, like chargers and stuff with me. We camped for like 10 days straight. Yeah. And I think I, I probably saw more champions in like mm-hmm. the most remote lake in the world. There's yep. like nothing out there. Like, the, like roads don't even touch man. the bank, dude. Like, nothing, man. You're, you're an hour from civilization and I was seeing champions like every single day and they were super sick. Dude. Like oh, that's, yeah. I was, it's crazy that you mentioned that. I guess, I guess Arizona must be like Arizona, Utah, that area must be just Dude, flooded with them. I don't I really ever so. see many around here. There's a, there's a few on Conroe. Um, I think there's something about champions on Conroe. We actually, we fished the Tuesday nighter last year. Okay. And our Tuesday nighters are only three fish limits. So Travis and I, I was actually out of town and uh, Travis is like, he, calls me he's like hey man what, what what time does your flight land i'm like uh lands at like three i think is when my flight landed and he, he was on the lake that day and he was like dude i just found a school like loaded full of giants we got to fish the tuesday nighter and we don't really fish the tuesdays out here much like we don't really we don't really donate much we just like we only like to fish them when we know we can just like bag it. them up i like it good way and uh but all of our buddies are always like dude when i see you and your brother like dinner or tuesday night or like i know it's game over you guys have them. <laughs> and so uh <laughs> No, that night, Travis uh, was on the lake in the morning, and he drove to um, George Bush and picked me up, and he was like, all right, we're going to fish this this spot here. And they're loaded out there. And so he picked me up. I came home, like, changed clothes and stuff. He jumped on the lake, went up, went over to uh, go check in and stuff, took off. We land on the spot. First cast, my brother catches a seven-and-a-half-pounder. I'm like, okay, yeah, you were kind of right about that. Was, you're kind of right. Next cast, he catches, like, a four-pounder. And, uh, I caught like 20 fish that night, but we ended up calling every single one of the ones I caught out. And at the end of the night, we had like almost 18 for three. It was like 1790 something for three. And we actually were, we were beat by like two ounces by another group of people in old champion. That was like a year model 
newer than ours. And it was crazy because I remember making a joke when we were taking off at the Tuesday, the Tuesday nighters on Condor were super big. Like there's sometimes 40, 50, 60 boats. Like they're huge. And uh, Travis and I's boat was probably the oldest boat in the field by like 30 years. It was like, dude, like a dinosaur. And we, and at the time we didn't, we only had a HDS seven with side scan and that was it. Like at the at the console, didn't have anything on the front. We have we have a uh, Garmin Live Scope now on the front. We just put that on like a few weeks ago, and it's been like a game changer for us because we like we go film all these tournaments. Everyone's like jerk baiting with a live. Like John is huge on jerk baiting with a live scope, like mm-hmm. huge. And I never now wanted... is he doing it all times of the year, or is he like yeah yeah at Gunnersville? That's how he caught like ninety percent of his fish was on a jerk bait, and it was hot. Like and it was it was for the most part post spawn. Um, Dude, John was ripping him on a jerk bait, dude. It was like, and he's got active target, but mm-hmm. it was like, it was so easy to film that because he'd be sitting there. He's like, all right, get your camera ready. One's about to eat it. And I'd sit there and hit record and get the hook set like every time. I got like, Sick. I got like 50 hook sets on film that tournament because he was just catching them every cast. But, but yeah, it was, that was a crazy night. We got beat by another champion and the first, the two champions in the field got first and second place. It was, it was pretty legit. That's cool. sick, dude. But I like him a lot. It was, I'm a huge champion, like like huge champion nut. Like I love him, dude. Uh-huh. And uh, me and John, John always jokes around, but he uh, anytime he sees a champion, he's like, "I bet you like that boat." And I'm like, "Yeah, I love that." But we actually we were on Gunnersville uh, like a month ago for that last pro circuit, and he was fishing under a bridge, and he was like around the the column, and I was in the the back part of the boat, so I could see around under this bridge, and there was a guy idling under the bridge. It was like a brand new like looked brand new like showroom condition like a he was a 201 or something like that an old champion but he had a brand new a brand new four stroke on it uh-huh. and i'm like i'm like dude that is a boat right there john that's a boat and john hadn't seen it yet. he's like i guarantee it's a champion <laughs> <laughs> and right. it was it was it was a nice yep. champion it was, dude mint like brand new four stroke just clean dude it was awesome that's like my dream boat i wouldn't buy a brand new but i'd get a champion dude but, dude heck yeah there's a uh, man um there are so many like that the last generation. I don't know if it was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Like I think I think oh eight or oh nine is the last year they they stopped making them. I think yeah, oh eight. I think you just see so many of those, uh, like you said, in Arizona and that kind of a thing. And all of them, brand new motors, like mint. Man, they yep. just they're gorgeous. So. It's kind of like like when bullets are big on the Tennessee River. Like there's yeah. like a huge like a bullet owners group and stuff like. There's a huge just a group of people that run bullets and stuff like that i remember it's, it's cool how that goes around the country like you've got different yeah run different places one you ever heard of a norse craft uh, i mean i've heard of norse craft i didn't know they made bass boats yeah i don't i think it's a norse craft i was talking to my buddy the other day and he showed me a, he was looking at boats and stuff and he found one it was like a it's like a 96 or 95 norse craft and it looked legit it was super cool i didn't i, I didn't like there's so many small boat brands that you just don't know about because like, yeah. they were only here, you know, for a certain amount of time. And that was a cool one because I looked up and did this whole, like, I was, like, on my phone just doing research on the whole brand. And they, sure enough, they were made in, like, Knoxville, I think. And, uh, like, the only way you could order them was, like, custom colors or something like that. Like, you had to put your order in. They didn't have any, like, they may have had, um, like, like, kit colors or whatever, like, just at the showroom. But for the most part, everyone that I've ever seen online is, like, crazy like purple and yellow and all these crazy colors because people like ordered them custom it was crazy like just looking looking at research and stuff it was really wild 
Dude, I'm obsessed with those like small brands of boats, man. I mean, like I, uh, I've got a Phoenix and it's, it's becoming a lot more of a big brand. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's great. And I love the boat, but like, man, I love like, you know, when someone rolls up with a bullet and I'll ask him about a bullet or like blazer, man, I think blazers are blazers sick. are cool. Yeah. They're sweet. I like them a lot. Falcon with John. Right. Like I just, I just, yeah, yeah. so many of these cool little brands. Um, and to me, like, I don't know, I, I, a passion of mine is for sure. Bass boats. I love hearing about them, what they do and, uh, how they run waves, all that kind of stuff. They're cool. Our, our champion runs in waves, dude. It's dude. only an 18, it's only an 18 footer. It's 18, six. It's a 186 DC for dual console. Yep. And, uh, dude, it, I'm telling you, I, I swear that boat, I swear that boat will handle big waves better than some 20 foot boats. Would. I, like it's here, Here's the deal. I'm in a hundred percent agreements and I can talk on this because I had before my Phoenix, I got a 721. Before that, I had a Legend 186 DC 2005. Okay. That boat, man, was so impressive in the waves. Like, and I just, uh, so up on Oahe, man, it was big. Like, we had guys break in jack plates. We had a guy's transom fall apart. Like, it was, it was gnarly. And, um, I can't wait to see the elites there too. It's going to be so fun. But, anyways, that is going to be really cool, dude. It's like, I mean, I was making a 40 mile run. And we canceled day two of the tournament. A walleye tournament canceled their third day of the tournament. And we went out. And it was bad, yeah. Dude, like, it was like, I mean, coming in the first day, it was 40 mile an hour winds. Now, it was coming in a good direction. But, like, there was legitimate five and six footers. Like, it was big. And guys were, you know, we almost had a couple boats sink. Like, it was dangerous. And I was very impressed with how that Phoenix rolled. Like, it was, it it rode great. I've never been in a 21-foot boat where I was driving in waves that big. It was awesome. Uh, I would have felt, and I even said it, and then my team partner from around here was fishing as a co-angler, and I was like, I would have felt just as comfortable in my 18 foot legend. Yep. And, and my team partner was like, 100%, dude, like, dead on. Like, we have had that boat in just as big of water, and it was just like, it's just, I think it's a lot of driver, but um, the way that boat yeah. was yeah. built, it's very similar to a champion hole, very narrow, yep. good cutting, cutting hole. Like, I just... I feel felt comfortable in that boat, even as a, I think that's the main thing is the is the way the the holes built on the champions for sure. It's like a super narrow, like that diamond cut kind of. Yep. Um, but it, I, the champion, I think, splits waves really good. Like even like big, kind of like rough, like a tiny rough chop. Yeah. It just like Before's, plows right through them. Yeah. And you never get wet in the champion. My boat never gets wet. Like I'll run. Like if, if the wind's pushing like a crosswind, you'll get sprayed and stuff like that. Sure. But sure. It's never just cruising and getting wet. That's like yeah. my boat's. Yeah, I love it. It's been a it's been a great boat. We've had it we've had it since we were sixteen. My dad used to uh did he pull us to the lake and like drop us off because we didn't have our driver's license. Like yeah. Travis and I got that boat before we even got our driver's license. And so dad would pull us to the lake and drop us in and be like, All right, I'm leaving the trailer right here on the bank. I'll see y'all when the sun goes down. He'd pull back up to the lake and pick us up. That's, That's like it. one of my our first memories because we moved here and then Oh no, we lost him. We'll see if we can roll him back in. Sounds like he was going to talk about a memory of dropping him off at the lake. But uh, anyways, big passion of mine, champion boats, any boat that has a narrow hole. That's why I kind of went with the 721. Um, not not only cost-wise, but uh, real narrow hole, and I feel like those kind of cut waves. You got me? I got you, I man. I, I got back down. I don't know what happened. Did you get a phone call or something? Sometimes no, I'm, I'm on my iPad, so I shouldn't be getting phone calls, but huh. I'm good now. I'm good now. It works. 
Good. But yeah, yeah. Dude, the champion, man, dude, man. Great boat. Heck yeah, dude. Heck yeah. Well, dude, I mean, uh, one thing I wanted to kind of ask you just as your network expands and you're getting more and more job offers and that kind of a thing. Like, yeah. Where do you, I mean, do you feel like you've got to a point where you're like, hey, I can kind of name my price with some of this stuff? Um, you know, do you, are you to the point where you're turning down things because you're like, hey, man, I got too much going on now? Like, just kind of where are you at in that that aspect of your Yeah, career? yes and no. Um, we've got a good price right now. Um, granted, like everything kind of changes, you know, um, you get more busy, like it's all supply and demand really. Like mm-hmm. I, I saw something the other day and it was, it was saying if you're charging too little, you're going to be overworked If you're charging the right sure. price. You're going to be, you're going to be right there in the middle. Working um, on if you're charging too much, you're, you'll be slow, you know? You're so, not working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got to find the right, the happy medium. And I, I think, uh, I think for us, that was like getting started. It was like, you do a lot of stuff for like no cost at all or like free, just kind of get your name out there. Yeah. Um, but right now, dude, we've we've kind of got it going. We've uh, we've got a good price, I think for uh, for what we offer. I think we're pretty uh, pretty competitive. I don't really know what the other rates are in the industry. Mine, it's always it's so weird because I'm I'm a like a fishing filmmaker, camera guy, whatever. But like I'm not I'm not like a camera nerd. Like I, I'm not like a big tech guy into camera gear. Like of course I'm obsessed with getting new cameras and lenses and stuff like that. But I'm not. I don't really. I don't really fit into the uh, crazy about that stuff. Right. Like I don't really fit into the category of like being super meticulous and picky about what I, what what I use and stuff like that. Like I'm a, like I'm a creature of habit. If I find something I like, I'm just sticking with it and rolling with it. Sure. Makes sense. Um, Like I bought a new camera this year, used my last one for like three years and it made a lot of money with it. I was like, you know what? I'll buy a new camera. It's fine. Yeah. So, uh, and now like it's, if my brother finds something he likes, I'm like, maybe I should get the same thing. So we always just buy like the same gear and kind of use the same stuff. But yeah. it's uh, yeah, with prices and stuff like that, we, I mean, everything's, it's been great, dude. I just landed a new contract with a, uh, a seltzer company. Um, no just, so I'm doing, I'm doing some stuff kind of like, I have a contract with 13 fishing. I do a lot of their social media and stuff like that. Okay. Um, I, and when you say past, a contract, like in this, is it like, you're not like, just doing one job like you're almost on a retainer for them is that right it's, it's basically a retainer yeah it's a okay. monthly retainer um i provide them x amount you know per month like 10 15 20 30 photos and a couple short videos gotcha. um and that's usually that's kind of how i structure everything um obviously like i said we're we're gone a lot so we we shoot like pro circuit mpfl and then like the week or so we're back home it's all uh-huh. contract time so travis and i um we both double as models when we need to shoot I so like that's it. that's honestly the most clutch thing in the world too because like hey dude i need a 13 shoot like let's just jump on the boat let's go film some like we'll go shoot like a 30 second little ad space video um just in the backyard like at the marina fishing a, like a row wow. of docks or whatever it's it's yeah. awesome dude yeah. but it's really it's the perfect setup man it's uh dude everything's been going great like it's it's honestly kind of crazy to see how far things have come Mm-hmm. um and it's it's honestly really cool because i feel like it's uh you know the industry the industry's small um and once you get your name out there and people think that you're a, you know a good person to work for you give a good product um and number one like you're you're a cool guy to be around i think that's the biggest part of it i think i've gotten more jobs not really based off of my quality but just because it's like fun to like it's because, people enjoy hanging out with me dude, I, that's, I think, that's everything in life man like dude, tangent 100%. real quick like 
that is like if you are approachable and a person that can that can just be i don't know cool or, or or confident and hang out and talk to anybody like that carries you so far in life with whatever right. you want to do well because like i'm i'm gonna choose the person who's cool to hang out with versus the person who's a slug you know what i mean oh yeah because like especially with john dude when i'm on the water with john me and john are like we're not even talking about videos and stuff like that we're just mm. like hey you see that you see that you hear about this you hear about that like they're like we're just buddies man and like i think that's the biggest thing about everything that travis and i do we've actually been approached a lot because it's like dude like you guys work your butts off. You guys are really fun to be around. You're cool to work with. Like that's why I want to use you guys. So mm-hmm. it's it's a uh, super cool man. I think uh I think the industry is in a good spot. I think um especially because COVID with like the marketing stuff, everyone wanted to push product. Online sales were going through the roof. Yep. Um that's and that's honestly like we were kind of we were kind of slow and all that stuff kind of kicked off because no one wanted to really travel. So we didn't travel for a while, but we were still at home pumping out content dude like just and that's what's cool about you you two being able to model for each other being on a lake like you can you can get it all out for sure like and and we're only like an hour from the coast like i had um a couple other jobs that like like cooler brands and stuff like that we'd go down to the coast and we'd bring our girlfriends and go down there and do like a little shoot on the beach and stuff it's just yeah yeah, it's money dude you're rolling man i like it man so it's uh it's been great dude it's I, uh, I couldn't imagine my life if I was working a nine to five, like Mm -hmm. I, uh, did that for a while. And, and, uh, not that I hated it, but like, now that I'm, now that I'm doing this, my eyes are like open. I'm like, dude, this is, this is like too good to not, to not pass up. Like I'm not giving it away for anything. That's the cool part though. You have to like, you got to stay on top of it, man. It's really easy to get like, like unmotivated like if i don't work for like a week or so i'm like dude like it's nice to relax but then i also feel like i'm worried that i'm going to be like in a like in a creative slump i get back you know what i mean <laughs> yeah so but it also is kind of good though because after a while if you film and film and film you're like okay i need a break and then you take a break and the first video you make when you get out of that break is like a banger like travis a couple months ago we were at the house and we had like a week to chill we had we were caught up on everything and travis was like man i don't want to pick up a camera i don't even want to think about picking up a camera i just need like some time to relax we fished for like four or five days and then got a phone call it's like hey we need some content like a couple 30 second ads and travis is like i want to take it over i'm gonna i'm gonna smash this dude and we shot a video and it was like the coolest one he's ever made and he's like dude he's like dude like i i chopped it up it was it was awesome dude it was so cool that's so badass dude that's awesome, man. I just, I, I have no creativity when it comes to that stuff. So it's really cool to me. It's almost like being a, a person that is really likes live music or like likes watching music and watching it. And just, it's cool to see your passion and everything that you've got going with that. Because it's like from a distance, like I have no desire and I'm not good at anything with what you're talking <laughs> about. But like watching people do it that are good at it and passionate, it's like, man, it's artwork. Like this is really it is, cool. Dude. It's a form of art, man. And that's what like, I tell people a lot, like it's, it's just as much art as like painting or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I think, I think a lot of it really is just hundred percent creativity, man. It's just taking, taking ideas that you have and, and being, being able to like make it come to life with a camera and through like editing software and stuff like that. Sure. It's super cool. I think that's the main thing that I like about it so much is like, I get to control what the story that's being told. And I, I think for me, that's, that's kind of what I enjoy the most about it is just telling that story. Um, like I, I used to like to write a little bit like in high school and stuff. I was really good at like English papers yeah. and stuff like that. 
Sure. And I don't think that's the reason why I'm good at what I do, but like, I think that's a huge part. I, I just love telling stories like cinematic stuff that like tells a story and kind of like tugs at your heartstrings, bro. It's like mm -hmm. all, it's all needed. I love that stuff. Love Dude, that's it. awesome. And that's, I mean, that's today's world, right? Like, I mean, so I'm, I'm big into hunting and uh, I mean, bass fishing is my main passion, but like this time of year, like right when we're starting to like bass fishing is kind of slowing down, except yeah. for up north, like, I start getting things rolling into like elk season and everything we've got going here. And like, man, just the, the footage and everything related to that. When guys like when there's a story to be told on some hunt, some remote place like that is it just it's so appealing to our today's world that uh, I mean, just I think people like yourself and your brother and everything you, just, you guys have going like the value is just going to keep going up because that's, just, yeah. that's the way the world's working. I think that's the reason why, like, it's just been a steady incline. It's never really, like, when we first started, it was like there were some slow times here and there. But I think now, dude, every everybody wants content to engage with. Like, you, like, numbers are huge nowadays. So, like, getting that engagement, pumping content out, like, it's just one giant snowball. And as it rolls downhill, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't really think that. I think as far as the fishing industry goes, there will always be room for for people that do what I do. Um, and to be honest, like, I don't really think there's ever going to be a time where there's too many of them. Like yeah. there's always new companies, wow. new brands, like everyone needs someone to help provide them with content. So for me, I, I think that the, uh, I think there's a fair bit of job security there as far as like having jobs and getting paid to do stuff. And like the, being a camera guy, like not even in the fishing world, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities elsewhere too. Like you can, you can find a, a lot of ways to get plugged in and meet the right group of people outside of the fishing world. I know there has been some times cause like everything that I do, all my reels, all my, like all my like portfolios, if you want to call them, they all have outdoor content. So there's been a few times where I've been approached by like, people like very, very far from the fishing realm or anything outdoors in general. Wow. Like, Hey, show us some of your stuff. And I send them my stuff and they're like, this isn't really what we're looking for. Like we were looking for more like this. And I was like, well, I don't have anything like that whatsoever. <laughs> like, this is what I do. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a, dude, it's a huge diverse place, man. Like just being, being someone who's like creative and, and like not even just me, like everyone else that, you know, is creative with the camera and really, really good at uh, making a picture a video, like a reality there's so it's just a crazy crazy good market and a space for someone to be in it's really really cool that's awesome man i mean it just gives someone an outlet like i think a big part of why i created this show uh especially i mean just business from the vast boats model was like all these folks that started businesses and are in careers in the fishing industry it's like to show hey look you don't have to be a pro angler to like experience this industry exactly. in its full entirety and like the media space is a huge opportunity in my eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always joke around and say that uh, when I go film tournaments, I'm the only person at the tournament that has a guaranteed paycheck when they leave home. Like, Dude, ready to go. Valid. <laughs> like, absolutely I valid. People, like, I know I'm getting paid whenever I leave this tournament. I don't care how everyone does. I'm getting, getting home with some money. <laughs> That's, good, That's yeah. awesome. That's hilarious. But, you're right, though. It is cool. Like The industry, there's, there's a, a million and one jobs out there that, people make money off of the fishing in general or like sales rep stuff like that there's it's it's a really really cool unique industry and it's it's so big from what it seems but it's really really tiny like mm -hmm. it's insane the amount of times that i've met somebody 
like even just fun fishing or like down at the coast and someone's like, Oh yeah. Uh, my friend does that down there. Like he works here. I'm like, I met that guy the other day. It's just so cool. It's just a crazy small world, man. That's why I think that's another thing that kind of comes back to like being a good person, man. Like people can get burned in this industry, like really, really fast. If you, if you're not careful and if, if you're not respectful and stuff like that stuff, uh, Stuff goes far fast in this industry. Like industry, like word spreads really, really quick. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy to be here, man. It's just a it's a cool place. Everyone is is a uh, super super cool. Like mm-hmm. the, the industry is like minded. Everyone you meet is just really really awesome to be around. It's just really really fun. Heck yeah! One one uh, last question. Or we'll we'll kind of get things wrapped up here. But one question I did have that I didn't mention earlier was like, so I mean with the NPFL you and your brother are kind of more along uh, covering the event from photos and that perspective, right? You're not like actually yeah. filming so-and-so on the water, right? Like top 10 or whatever it may be. So that aspect, like you're then editing photos and getting those up like that night, right? Like as right, far right. as for, for folks for the event. And then more of your stuff with John Hunter is like actually going through film, like creating a series related right. to, how he's doing on right. that type stuff. How many days are you spending like in, I mean, in the dome or like in the office, man, like you're looking at a screen. Like, yeah. Like how much screen? <laughs> yeah. like, for every day of filming, how many days of screen time does that take? Man, honestly, uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm gotten, I've gotten really quick at editing those limitless videos. I think the last one, awesome. the last one that we did, John made, he made, uh, he made, yeah, day three so three days of tournament footage so it's like three days of gopro footage three days of camera footage okay um that one took me probably two days like non-stop like waking up at seven o'clock working until like nine o'clock took me two days gotcha and that's like and that's like i'm at my house like on the computer I, the only thing i really do is stop to like eat lunch and grab dinner and then that's it like so 48 hours mm-hmm. probably like 48 hours roughly of like editing completion time for for three days of tournament footage, gotcha. But everything else is like MPFL stuff. Is like, dude, it's the weeks that we film MPFL is like a blur. Like it's you show up like because we we get on the water and shoot practice stuff and I, I'm I don't know if you've seen like the live stream and stuff. There's like oh, yeah. little edit like little edited videos and stuff like that that are plugged into the stream. We yep. do all that stuff too. So like um, the showing the town and right like the town stuff with Fat Cat and stuff like that and. Yeah. Um, like the pre-tournament videos that have like slow-mo guys casting and stuff like that. Like even like the AOI interviews and like the prediction videos and stuff like that. We shoot all that stuff. So MPFL, like there's really never a specific task that we have. We just, we try to get everything. Filming. <laughs> so yeah. So it's like practice, like one of us will shoot videos and one of us will shoot photo. And then one of us, like we alternate on the days of the tournament. So like, like at blast off, I'll be taking photos and I'll go back and edit, like up, upload photos to the website, get those done and then get on the water, shoot photos until like two o'clock and then come back for an hour, edit photos, upload them to the website before weigh in and then okay. shoot photos at the weigh in. And then like an hour after weigh ins over upload photos again. And then usually whoever's doing on, like on the photo duty has to, whoever's on photo duty doesn't have to do videos. So whoever's on video will stay up till like midnight edit the intro video for the show of the next day and then start all over again and do it three days in a row. Grinding, so, man. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. It's, it's a blur. Like I said, when you show up, it's like 
five days pass and you're already headed home. You're like, I don't even know what just happened, but it's over. But, <laughs> Time to go fishing. We need a little break. Yeah. I saw someone the other day because, like, you know what we do is, like, staying up late and getting up early is, like, everything. that It's, like, all you do. Right. And uh saw something the other day. I thought it was funny. It was, like, someone posted on their Instagram story and was, like, it was, like, 4 a.m. And he was, like, this is midnight for videographers or something like that. <laughs> it was, like, just a, a poke at, like, staying up late and getting up early, man. It's, Dude, that's all it really man. is. My girlfriend will tell you that. Like, she's, like, I've never met anyone who gets up so early, but they're not a morning person. <laughs> i'm like i get up i get, I get up at 4 a.m or 3 45 or whatever like 90 percent of the year yep. for like tournaments and stuff like that and uh she's like you're not a morning person i'm like i just don't like to be like i like to get up and just like be aware of what's going on and then go about my day like everything is just uh it's been it, it's just uh getting up early is uh part of the part of the play for sure part of the job man dude I'm that is man I've always been like, luckily to some extent, a morning person. Like I get up early, even when it's outside of a, a tournament or anything. Like I just, I just wake up early. It's just who I am. But like, man, like even just Lake Oahe this last couple of week, weeks, like, I mean, because it's light from like 5 a.m. to like 930, 10 o'clock yeah. at night, like, this time of the year, anywhere northern the country, you feel like you're give, doing yourself a disservice if you're not practicing long. And it's right, like, dude, right. when I got back from Hawaii, like I crashed, man, like hard. Just like, but bet. still, wake up early, like still up at five a.m. Don't yep, know why. Yep. Just used to it. <laughs> That's that was me. That was me. Uh, especially like when you go somewhere with a time change. Like, I was mm -hmm. in. I was in. Uh, so I was at Gunnersville and then stayed in Kentucky. You know. Yeah, Gunnersville stayed at John's house in Kentucky for like two nights and then went to Tennessee, stayed there for a week and then shot Watts Bar and then came back home. So yep. I was gone for like three weeks, but it's like still an hour difference. But I swear when I got back home, I was like, the time changed a little bit, like kind of messed with me a tiny bit. It was sure. a little bit noticeable for sure. Like went to bed later, stuff like that. It was it was weird. Yeah. But I went to that Indonesia like like four years ago and it like it's a 12 hour time difference. Like like daytime here is nighttime there. Dude, I was I was so screwed up when i got back home from that trip because we were gone for like 10 days and uh dude my my internal clock was all sorts of spun around when i got back to the house it was crazy I mean, man that's like a couple of days of recovery maybe a week of recovery oh, yeah it was like it, I, I i probably think that it took a week to, to get back on track Holy it was, back, it was insane bro it was a crazy trip though it's cool got to catch some giant for valley dude that's my green fish man as far as it the was, ocean goes. dude it was so sick Jeez. we actually i have the popper i was catching them on right here yeah Oh, he's a monster. Dude, I bought this off the guy that took us when we went. Dude, that's it's my sweet, that's though. my like dream deal. So like we had recently here on uh the podcast the guys from Cast uh Casco and they're like whole model from Australia. They have a US division and it's blending the lines between freshwater and saltwater. So like they've got a lot of saltwater plugs that they're then turning into like freshwater stuff for bass and it's wicked man like it can just uh it can it, it, they're all predator fish right but like yeah. just the stories man and the footage that they have like they've got uh if you haven't like checked out some of their stuff um i need to that's really cool i think i've heard about those yeah the the cast guys i think i've heard about that they're sweet uh, giant valley is like such a cool fish though they actually i'll show it to you like you're talking about like blending freshwater and saltwater i actually bought this one too like this is the original size one right here yeah i bought this little mini one there you go so i'm gonna eventually 
I want to put trebles on it and try to catch a bass on it, but I'm like, I do not want to break that off. Like, yeah, don't I'll throw it on like 50 pound braid. Pound braid, even though you're trying to <laughs> yeah, pop. Yeah, dude, it's like, it's crazy, dude. Like, it's a cool looking little bait. That is so fun. cool. Dude, no, that, that whole thing is, uh, is so cool to me. This is a market I'm so unfamiliar with is the saltwater stuff, but it's cool. Like it just like how you don't have any trebles. Like I had no idea. Like you walk into a bait shop in Australia or something like you don't, you pick your hooks, you pick your, yeah, yeah. your swivels, like all that stuff for saltwater because you're like, yeah. I don't know if I'm going after a 40 pound fish or a hundred pound fish. Like right, right. it's just, that's wild. a whole different world, man. That's why like every now and then when I don't really like when I get tired of bass fishing, I'll go down to the coast and go catch redfish and speckled trout. And I yeah. love doing that. I love doing that. It's so much fun. Sounds like fun, man. That's sweet. Well, dude, we'll wrap things up here. Uh, I guess a couple of questions for you to kind of wrap up the show. Number one would be, um, if you could give any advice to someone, maybe it's a high school angler, college angler, or not an angler at all. That's someone that's interested in this space in cinematography um, the media side of bass fishing. What what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's like, hey, maybe I want to see if this is my thing? I think, uh, man, I think I think the number one thing that I would say is just to get out there and do something. Like, it doesn't matter if you're getting paid for it or like if you're shooting for someone who's a superstar or your buddy down the street. Like, I I think the main thing, and I I always preach this to my buddies and stuff, um, just getting out there and doing it, like the more that you have under your belt, the more time you have behind a screen, the more time you have behind a camera lens gives you more time to get better at what you do. And like I said, dude, if you're, if you're a good person, if you're, if you're passionate about something, if you put blood, sweat and tears and work hard and, and have good work ethic and drive towards something that you want to do, dude, the opportunities are endless. So for anybody that's, interested in doing this or even approaching a different field just get out there and do it man like spend time grind like don't worry about don't worry about money like that was my thing coming from like working at six cents i was i was used to getting that paycheck and then as soon as i left i was like i saved up some money and i was like okay i'm ready to, I'm, I'm gonna make the jump i'm ready to go and then the first couple months where i didn't have a paycheck hit my bank account i was like okay i don't know if i should have done this or not right. but <laughs> You gotta, you gotta, you just gotta stay at it, man. If you, if you work hard and, and you put your time in, I know, um, I know for the most part, I think I've been kind of lucky a few times, so I can't really speak on like not being lucky. There's been a couple of times. Yeah, that's people that's how up. it works. In my opinion, like that's how the universe works, man. Like if you're putting in your time and you're doing the right things and you're working hard, like, man, I, I don't know what it is, but in these last couple of months too, like I've thought that through. So I independent contract for the job I used to do. Uh, and rather than being full-time nine to five, now I'm able to fish terms, that kind of thing. But like things just happen, man. It's weird. They as long do, as you're yeah. working hard, like things roll. Yeah. That's crazy, man. That's, that's been a huge part of my life too. Like meeting the people that I have and having the contacts that I have, it just all comes out of nowhere. Usually like everything that's ever like happened to me, that's like really good or huge. I didn't even expect like, mm -hmm. it's not, and especially doing what I do, man. And, and for people that are, like interested in it you can't like you can't expect anything you just have to like constantly work keep your head down grind stay busy and then like you said the good stuff will come dude Pretty I, like cool. I like it all right man to wrap up the show your biggest largemouth smallmouth spotted bass where you were and what you caught them on i dude i honestly think that lake texoma is probably the lake that i've caught my biggest largemouth smallmouth and spotted bass no way. Um, dude, so when first I time on Texoma was earlier this year. Yeah, that's a dude. 
I, all my friends that are, that live here on Conroe, they probably are tired of hearing me talk about how much I like Texoma. <laughs> we grew up in, like I said, we grew up in Gainesville, which is like really close to uh, the Texas Oklahoma border. Um, I grew up 45 minutes from Texoma, like 35 minutes from Ray Roberts. So those were like the two lakes that we ever fished on a bass boat really. And uh, Texoma, like one, two, and three. I caught one that was like 11 something on Texoma, a large mouth. Um, like I was in high school when we first got our bass boat, we, Travis and I went to Texoma, caught a small mouth. That was like five and a half. Actually, my biggest small mouth came off the St. Lawrence river with John. I can't. Yeah. Mine was a, it was like a six pounder. John and I actually were headed up to Champlain to, he was going to fish a pro circuit tournament back when it was actually FOW. Yeah. And he was like, you want to stop at St. Lawrence? I'm like, yeah, why not? <laughs> and yeah. so we, we smashed them for a day. And I think I caught one that was like six pounds. But Jeez. spotted bass too, yeah. I, I've never really, uh, like, I went to Lanier a couple months ago. Never really, I fished like forty-five minutes. Didn't catch any anything Damn. big. But biggest spotted bass is on Texoma too. Probably like a three three pounder. But that's like a Texas Kentucky bass. That's it's not Kentucky. like it's that's not like big. a Magnum spot. Oh, yeah. It's a big Kentucky the, bass. The most the most common answer I get from uh, from folks on their largest spotted bass is like. Uh, I don't know, like two, two and a half pounds, like somewhere, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's like a three pounder is like a good one, man, for most places. Yeah, dude, I got to send you some pictures when we get off here, but on Texoma, I like, I was in high school at the time. I may have been in college, like first year of college, but, uh, found a mega, mega, mega school of spotted bass on Texoma and they stayed there <laughs> for like four days. Like I was, I took off work one day cause I was like, I'm just going to go catch spotted bass all, like, all day. Like I pulled up crazy morning, dropped the boat in like our boat being an old carburetor motor doesn't like to start sometimes. Uh-huh. And so I backed, <laughs> I backed the boat in the truck's still on the ramp and the wind's blowing me across this little point. And oh, I actually like it blew me up on this little sand point. Okay. And so I got the, I got the motor like cranked up and I'm letting it idle. And I'm like, I pull a cranking rod out of the, out of the box and I'm like sitting on the deck and just, I like wanted to straighten my line out. So I just made a cast across the cove, started reeling, caught one. And I was like, that's crazy. Made another cast, caught another one. Made another cast, caught another one. I started picking up like just all sorts of random stuff to, to catch them on. And I actually ended up catching them on a mag draft. Like oh, yeah. those big spots were eating a mag draft, like on Texoma. And it was unreal. But I did. I like, I was calling all my friends like, Hey, you want to go fishing tomorrow? You want to go fishing? And they, they were literally like a hundred yards from the boat ramp. And I stayed there for four days straight and caught smallmouth or yeah, small, a couple of smallmouth mixed in, but like spotted bass after spotted bass after spotted bass. It was insane. That's so cool. Yeah. That's Texoma, Texoma, St. Lawrence, Texoma. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, they're huge out there too. They get pretty big. That's awesome, man. Cool. Well, dude, Tanner, I appreciate you taking the time, man, coming on the show. And, uh, dude, I'm just excited to keep watching your career and everything you've got going. And uh, we'll have to get you on again. Appreciate it, bro. Thanks for the time. Heck yeah, man. Take it easy. <laughs>